Good morning. Welcome to our service here at Alton Union Church. In our country today is what? You're supposed to say Sunday, but it's Father's Day. And so we wonder if our fathers can stand for us this morning so we can see what fathers we have with us. Can you stand, please? Thanks, guys. All right, thank you, guys. Appreciate that. I'm sure we have others with us that may have been here for the first time, and you're a first-time visitor with us. As everybody else is uh, filling out the attendance pads, which are on the outside and passing them across, we ask you consider letting us give you some information about our church. It's a packet of information tells you more about the ministries here at Alden Union. And uh, there's a card in this packet we ask you to fill out and put in the offering plate a little bit later so we could acknowledge your visit by letter. So if it's your first time with us, if you'd raise your hand as Pastor Paul comes up the center aisle, just keep it up till he gets there. He'll make sure that you get that information. Uh, a couple of notes for prayer for some families. Uh, Kay Miller, the mother of Alan and Craig Miller and grandmother of others here in our church, went home to be with the Lord on Friday. And uh, you want to pray for the family, but there'll be a service for her at Vidian's Funeral Home in Broomall, Saturday, June 27th at 10 a.m., with a visitation from 9 to 10 a.m. The interment will be in Arlington Cemetery immediately following. In lieu of flowers, gifts will be appreciated to the Alden Union Church Missionary Fund. So we're going to pray for the Miller family. But also we uh, found out early this morning Sam Schlorf went home to be the Lord also. So you want to pray for that family, if you would also. I'm sure we'll have more details later on what's going to happen there. Uh, this week, you, know, you have an insert in your bulletin reminding you of all of those who have volunteered to help with Alden Bible Camp. And it's five days of high energy and fun and draining to the workers. The kids never seem to run out of energy, but the workers can. But uh, we've got a lot of kids we want to minister to, and so we need you to pray for each of us on there. I wonder if we have any workers this morning. How about if they stand? Anybody who's working with us this week wants to stand up and acknowledge you need prayer? There you go. Uh, pray for some of these throughout the week. Pray especially for uh, good health and strength through the week, that we can all stay healthy, if you would. Parents also read the announcement about Move Up Sunday, which is next Sunday in Bible school. And so you want to make sure you should have already been informed by each department what's happening, but if not, pay attention next Sunday morning as we move those kids up to the next group. Also, in a couple of weeks, we go to our summer schedule of Sunday morning worship services. We have one corporate worship service from 9 to 10.15, and then Bible school from 10.30 to 11.30. So make sure you've noted your calendar Got it ready to go for that first Sunday in July, and throughout July and August we'll run that schedule. Evening service continues to meet at 6.30 p.m. in the evening, so that will not change. You'll notice we have an insert about the Centennial Picnic on September 26th. Long time ahead, but you want to make sure, again, you put it on your calendar. It's something to look forward to. We want to bring all the church together and kind of celebrate again what God has done here in 100 years. So you want to read about it, pray about it, but especially just make sure you note that you're going to plan on coming to that. The top of your order of worship is Philippians 4.19. It says, We come to worship the God who will meet all our needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And so this morning, we know God's the one who supplies all we need, but he's the God that we need. So let's uh, join in prayer first thing this morning and remind ourselves of that. Father, we are thankful 
for the way you supply our needs every day, the way you've supplied our needs today, the way you'll supply our needs this morning spiritually by us listening to you, to your spirit, to your word, and putting into practice those things which you remind us about yourself. Will you help us this morning to look to you for our needs, that we look to you in our worship, that we focus on you, that we worship you in spirit and in truth in a way that blesses and honors and glorifies you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Wonderful hymn that's been sung for hundreds of years, really. Number eight, if you'll turn to that. And as we sing through this, note in just in your mind all the different ways that God has demonstrated his goodness to us and continues to do that. Hymn number eight, we'll sing all four stanzas. Please stand with me as we sing. Praise to the Lord, the Almighty, the King of creation. Oh, my soul, praise Him, for He is thy help and salvation. All ye who hear, now to His temple draw near. Join me in glad sit down, go greet some folks around you and tell them you love them, you're glad they're here. Take your hymnal again, but turn way in the back to 718, not page 718, but reading number 718. It's called a Contemporary Affirmation of Faith. And uh, I'll let you remain seated for this. It's fairly long, and so what I'd like us to do, I'm going to read the first section. It's in four sections, you can see there. 
Jesus Christ, God, his Father, the Holy Spirit, and we, his people. I'll read the first section, men. Would you please read the second section with me, ladies? Uh, you can read the third section, which begins, we believe in the Holy Spirit, and then all of us together will read the last section. Another way of looking at what we believe in our faith. We believe in Jesus Christ, the Lord, who was promised to the people of Israel, who came in the flesh to dwell among us, who announced the coming of the rule of God, who gathered disciples and taught them, who died on the cross to free us from sin, who rose from the dead to give us life and hope, who reigns in heaven at the right hand of God, who comes to judge and bring justice to victory. Men with me. We believe in God his Father, who raised him from the dead, who created and sustains the universe, who acts to deliver his people in times of need, who desires all men everywhere to be saved, who rules over the destinies of men and nations, who continues to love men even when they reject him. Ladies, we... and everyone together. We believe God has made us his people to invite others to follow Christ, to encourage one another to deeper commitment, to proclaim forgiveness of sins and hope, to reconcile men to God through word and deed, to bear witness to the power of love over hate, to proclaim Jesus the Lord over all, to meet the daily tasks of his life with purpose, to suffer joyfully for the cause of right, to the ends of the earth, to the end of the age, to the praise of his glory. Amen. Let us pray together. Father God, and what indeed a great privilege it is to call you Father. We come before you this morning humbled in your presence. We come before you on this day when we honor our fathers in this country, knowing that those we honor are imperfect in so many ways. And we come before you, the, the perfect Father. We thank you for allowing us to be your children, for making the way that we can have fellowship with you. I thank you this morning that in this world of confusion and darkness, in this world of uncertainty, that you are not the God of, I didn't think of that. You're not the God of, oh my, what do I do now? You're not the God of, oops, but rather you are the God of I am. You are the God of be still and know. You are the God of I know the plans that I have for you. 
You're the God that before we were knit together in the womb, you knew all of our days. Our days were numbered. And we just say thank you for that. What reassurance it is. What a great privilege it is to, to know the God of the universe who is so awesome and so great and yet so desirous of living with us and in us. In this world, we see so many things that go on that are difficult to understand and impossible to accept on a human level. But we know that you're in control. Father, our hearts go out this morning to our brothers and sisters in Charleston suffering this incredible tragedy. But Father, we thank you for the lessons that they are teaching us and for the encouragement they are giving us as they reach out to the world and to this young man who wreaked havoc there in that building by saying we forgive you because God loves you. And Father, I pray that that community would be drawn together in a way that the world does not understand. I pray that the testimony of a relationship with Jesus Christ and how it changes hearts and minds and attitudes would reach out and even those who are there reporting would be able to see and to, to express an incredible love that only you can bring. Father, as those people meet today, I pray that you would give them great peace and that as they go through the grieving process that you would give them the, the eye to heaven, the hope of resurrection, the hope of being reunited with those that they love. And Father, from this human tragedy may come a great revival. And we say thank you for how you're going to work in that situation. Father, we come before you this morning also knowing that there's much work to be done in every area. We've already been reminded of the Alden Bible School that's coming up this week, and I pray that the workers that are coming would be uh, able to reach out to these young people and these children and, and would be able to uh, show them the love of God and present to them the way of salvation. I pray that we would reap a great harvest as your Spirit works. And Father, I pray for everything from, from the weather to uh, all of the details, from the, the, the working of all the uh, intricate systems, from the sound system to lighting and air conditioning and everything else, that it would work perfectly so that there would be nothing to hinder the going forth of the gospel. Father, we just thank you that uh, as we reach out to our community that you give us opportunities, and I pray that we would see the opportunity and we would seize the opportunities as they arise. Father, we also come to you uh, this morning thanking you for the uh, various opportunities that we have to serve in so many, many ways. We think of the people that have gone out from our midst who are in the military and the various places around the world, and we know it's such a, a difficult time for the military in so many ways. I pray that you would keep them safe, especially this morning we uh, pray for Ed Linville as uh, he represents those that have gone out from among us, and I pray that you'll give him opportunities to, uh, to, to rest in you and to reach out to others that he works with. Father, I thank you that in our bulletin we see that uh, uh, there are some of the mundane tasks of, of just living that he's mentioned, and I pray that uh, he would seize opportunities even in those mundane tasks to, to present Jesus Christ to his family and to those he knows. Father, we think of the college kids that are represented this week by uh, Randy and Stephanie Miller, 
Father, as they're working in various jobs this summer, some taking summer courses, some interning in various places, uh, Father, I just pray that uh, you would give them a summer of refreshment and encouragement. I pray, Father, that you'll be opening their eyes to the opportunities that you're preparing them to uh, perform uh, in the years beyond college. And Father, most of all, I pray that you'll give them opportunities to present Jesus Christ in their world. Father, we thank you for the tremendous leadership that we have at this church. And I thank you for the, uh, from the, from the pastors through the elders to the trustees to, uh, all of the folks who serve in various capacities. I just, I thank you for a church that is burdened for, uh, teaching God's word and for reaching out to the, the community and to the world. And I just pray that each of these leaders would be encouraged this week. I pray that as they have opportunities to, uh, lead the flock in various ways that you would encourage them. And Father, I pray that the flock would recognize the importance of praying for their leaders each and every day. Father, we think of those who are out working in vocational full-time service, our missionaries. Father, we thank you for a church that is so mindful of the missionaries that are out there. And I pray, Father, that as they go through this week, that you would let them know that we are praying for them. We think especially this morning of Jamie and Anita Farr working uh, with Wycliffe Bible Translators. And Father, this summer working with uh, interns and on special projects that will help others to see the, the process of Bible translation. And Father, we just pray that you'll give them a great time of fellowship and a great time of service and ministry. And again, you would encourage their heart to know that we are behind them. And, and Father, as we have opportunities to share our uh, love and prayers with them uh, through email, through letters, through cards, through phone calls, I pray that we would take those opportunities. And Father, may your work move forward greatly uh, through the FARs and the others that uh, we are able to support. Father, we also want to thank you for the, 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 the tremendous year of celebration and, and looking forward with the uh, 100 years. And to, to think that this church has been in this community for 100 years, impacting the community and the world for you, it, it's, it's almost overwhelming. But I pray, Father, that as we look forward, that the next 100 years will be even greater. And Father, we, we just pray that as we go through the various festivities and the various activities to remind ourselves of how faithful you have been and how faithful you will continue to be. I pray that we will be reminded that you're not a God of change, that you're a God that is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You're a God that in eternity past said Alden Union Church will be here at this time for this purpose, and you haven't changed it. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to, to know the God of the universe. And as we look forward this morning for a week of service, a summer of service, a year, and eternity with you. I pray that you will bless our efforts, that you will encourage us, and we will constantly be giving you the praise and the honor and the glory for who you are and what you would desire to accomplish. It's in the name of our precious Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, that we pray, and we thank you in advance for all that you're going to do. Amen. As the ushers come, would you stand with me and let's praise God for his blessings that we have received. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him all creatures here below. Praise him above. 
dismayed by what may come. God will take care of you. Rest beneath his wings of love. He will take care of you. God will take care of you. He will take care of you through every day, in every way. When your heart fails in times of stress, God will provide all you need. Trust Him and you'll be satisfied. He will take care of you. God will take care of you. He will take care of you through every day, in every way. God will take care of you. He will take care of you through every day, in every way. clothes the lilies of the field and feeds all the birds of the air. You're worth so much more to him than these. He will take care of you. God will take care of you. He will take care of you through every day. In every way, God will take care of you. He will take care of you through every day. In every way, God will take care of you. He will take care of you through every day. In every way, his love never fails. He will prevail. You are his child. There's children's here, and it's time to go to kids' worship. Michael just gave us a hint of the passage of Scripture we're going to look at. By the way, that was based on one of our familiar hymns. I'm sure you recognize some of those lines. We're going to read together from the screen. I think it's good for us as believers to speak God's Word together. As is my practice, I'll read the light, harder-to-see print and you read the bold. Let's stand as we read God's Word. This is from Matthew chapter 6. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food 
and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like any of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive, tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Now stay standing, and if you'll take your hymnal, turn to number 61, and we'll sing about some of those blessings that allow us not to need to worry.
seated. Before I pray, before we look to God's Word, I'd like to encourage you to pray with me as I lead in just a moment. Thinking in terms of where the Lord's taking us in the Scriptures this morning, it's a very, very simple message title, and it's a very, very simple message. It's Do Not Worry. Please, if you will, you don't have to imagine this, but understand this is God saying that to each one of us, and He'll say it over and over and over again. As I said, it's going to be a very simple message. But you know what? There are many of us who would testify that we've heard this message our whole lives, and we're still anxious over all kinds of things. We still worry about many, many things. We're overcome by it, and some among us, even this morning, have a giant worry. A giant worry that as soon as we mention the term anxiety or worry, you know exactly where I'm taking you. God doesn't want you to have to be there. And so if you'll pray with me now that the Lord would minister to each one of us, I'd like to share with you the spirit of this message. It's not a scolding for all of us. It's not you shouldn't be worrying, and if you are, there's something wrong with you. Uh, your anxiety is, is something that's wrong, and that will come out. It's not something we should be doing. But it's not with the intent to make you more anxious about your anxiety. To understand where I'm, where I'm coming with that, it's to help each one of us to be able to cope with worry the way God wants us to, that he desires to. Uh, sometimes in sports, they, they talk about unforced errors. Worry is an unforced error in the life of a believer. We don't have to to do that. We're shooting ourselves in the foot, and we don't want to do that. So let's ask for the Lord's help before we get into His Word. Heavenly Father, um, the expression lives with many of us. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. We're so good at this worrying. We're anxious all the time, and nothing's going to change us. And uh, that may be true of some things and some people, but as your children, it's not true of us. We can be taught new tricks. We can look at things in a far different way, especially when your Word and your Holy Spirit are in combination to point us in that direction. We simply ask that you'd help us to be cooperative with you, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. The word, therefore, shows up a lot in the Bible. In fact, if you have the ESV in front of you, the word, therefore, will appear 915 times. Three of those times are in today's Scripture. I always like to ask a question. In fact, those of you that have been here any length of time will have heard this question ad nauseum, maybe. But whenever you see a therefore, there's something that we've got to do. So let me see if maybe you've picked it up along the way. We'll, we'll say it together. Um, the question, whenever we see a therefore, we ask the question, what is the therefore, therefore? Well, we've got three of them this morning. And when we think about it in terms of therefore, it usually takes us back to something important in the Scripture preceding that's being summarized, or it's about to call us to an action or call us to an application. We've been given some information, therefore, here's how we have to respond. Here's what God wants us to do about it. And it's very significant that these three uses of therefore in today's text, and we'll see them in verse 25, verse 31, and in verse 34, we'll see them in all three of those verses. They're followed by the same four words. In one case, not immediately followed, but they're all three going to be followed by four words. And the words are going to be, do not be anxious. It's going to be not once, not twice, but three different times, do not be anxious. 
For those of you that like application, that's our application in the message this morning already. It's clear, and God gave it to us in triplicate. And three times he says, therefore, and he wants us to know this, do not be anxious, do not be anxious, do not be anxious. Is there any question in your mind about what the message, where it's headed this morning? Do not be anxious three different times just in this short passage. For the therefore in verse 25, we need to go back a little bit. Let's go back to verse 19. We were there a couple of weeks ago as we're studying through Matthew. We're told there back in verse 19 not to lay up for ourselves treasures on earth. We, um, we talked about that. It means don't treasure treasures. Some people are going to hoard and stockpile and accumulate material possessions for their own security, for their own peace of mind. Sometimes we call this the depression mentality. Are you familiar with that expression? The depression mentality? Those who lived through the depression would not get rid of anything. They never knew when disaster might strike again, so they hoarded and held on to everything. And that's what's being spoken against here, this whole idea that we don't want to be involved in that. We're told also in the Scripture that we had a couple of weeks ago that we have to make a choice. According to verse 24, we're told we can't serve God, and it's translated here as money. We can't serve God and money. In the Aramaic, we mentioned that that word is mammon. We can't serve God and mammon at the same time. Mammon means stuff, material possessions, or things. The things aren't all that important. Some of the things that we've made important. And so we don't have to be anxious about obtaining, maintaining, and retaining those things that sometimes we have a tendency to hoard. And we've got to be very careful about that. So we don't have to be anxious about obtaining, maintaining, and retaining them. We're not to go overboard and piling up that which may not even be necessary. Things that are redundant to us, things that are superfluous, things that are luxury items. But here's the difference between this message and the one two weeks ago. This message is going to tell us that, no, we don't have to worry about some of those luxuries, some of those extras, some of those things that we treasure and hoard and stockpile. We don't have to worry about them. But it also tells us we need to be having a right attitude toward even the necessities of life. The things that are absolutely essential, we can't even worry about them. And we'll see that as we go through. First of all, we have a command in verse 25. If you look with me at verse 25, we read it together a moment ago, but here's the first therefore. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious, and it starts out in high gear. Do not be anxious about your life. I mean, that's got to be at the top of the list. All of the other things that are there. Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? So it says, do not be anxious. Most of your translations will say, do not worry. It's from a word that means anxious care. So we're not supposed to worry about even the most important things that are present. In the Greek language, this is written in such a way that the command means not to be anxious or to stop being anxious about what we're already being anxious about. So stop what's already being done. Stop worrying 
and don't pick it up again. Because when Jesus was talking to the audience he was talking to here, and the same way God the Holy Spirit is talking to our audience today, he knows us. And Jesus didn't say, if eventually someday you may be tempted to worry, he says, stop doing it. He knows we're worriers. He knows we're anxious. He knows that there are many, many things that we ourselves take on ourselves when God says, I want you to cast all your care on me because I care for you. But we're not doing that. We're not casting our cares. We're hoarding even our cares. And so we've got to be very, very conscious of that. So don't worry about your life. The Greek word is suke. It's a comprehensive term. It encompasses all of a person's being. That's physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual. Don't worry about that. Well, that sounds unrealistic. I certainly need to worry about that. And I need to worry about my body. Doesn't the media today tell us we need to worry about our body? I mean, we've got to exercise, we've got to eat the right food, we've got to get the right amount of sleep, and to get the right amount of sleep, we've got to get the right mattress, to get the right amount of food, we've got to get the right stores, we've got to get everything right. We've got to worry about that constantly, constantly. That's got to be an obsession with us if we look around in our world today. But I like something that John MacArthur has written. He said, absolutely nothing in any aspect of our lives, internal or external, justifies our being anxious when we have the master we do. If we didn't have the master that we have, I would encourage everybody to worry. We'd be in bad shape. We'd be in a lot of trouble. But we do have the master that we do. Therefore, we're not supposed to worry about our life, about anything having to do with our being. What you will eat, not supposed to worry about it. What you will drink, that's not an obsession with us. Or about the body, what you will put on, what you will wear. Certainly clothes are important, they're essential. But we're not supposed to be worried about that. We're not supposed to be anxious. Is not life more than food? The body more than clothing? Man shall not live by bread alone. There are things that are more important, including the Word of God Himself. So the point is we're not to be consumed with anxious care about even the necessities of life. Certainly not the luxuries, the extras, the baggage, the stuff that we hoard. We're not supposed to worry about that. But we're not even supposed to worry about life itself and our bodies, and there can't be anything much more important than that to a human being. But God says you don't have to worry about that. You don't have to live like everybody else who doesn't have a father like we do, God the Father himself. We hear the expression, don't sweat the small stuff. Have you heard that? Don't sweat the small stuff. You know what this is saying? Don't sweat the big stuff either. It says don't sweat anything. God wants us to be free from that bondage of anxiety and worry. And Jesus, in telling us this, gives us, I call it three considerations or three examples that he has for us in verses 26 through 30. The first one has to do with the birds. And he says, look at the birds of the air. Now, if you look at the bird that's pictured on the screen right now, looks like he's got some food. And that's not from my bird feeder or any of my bird feeders. God's providing for these birds, and he has for a long, long, long time since creation. The birds have it pretty well off. What do they have to do to provide food for themselves? Well, not a whole lot. All they have to do really is eat it. They do have to look for it. 
They've got to forage for it. They've got to be creative sometimes in how they get under your vegetable garden netting to get to the vegetables. The birds have to do that, but that's a God-given instinct he's given to the birds to forage for their food, to be creative. But they're not worried about it. They don't do anything in order to accomplish that. Driven by a God-given instinct, not worrying about where the next meal is coming from. They don't plant seeds. They don't harvest anything. They don't store food in barns. At least they don't plant seeds deliberately. Sometimes they do it unwittingly. Yet it says your heavenly Father feeds them. He takes care of the birds. Interesting. We think about that and we think about the sparrows and we think that, okay, maybe in passing that's something that the Bible mentions, but it's not in passing. It's all over. Job thirty-eight forty-one. Who provides for the raven? It's prey when its young ones cry to God for help and wander about for lack of food. Psalm 147, verse 9. He gives to the beasts their food and to the young ravens that cry. What's the lesson so far in that for each one of us? Well, with regard to worry or anxiety, worry is unnecessary. It's not something that we need to do. Somebody might say, well, I know you're going to say we shouldn't be worrying, but there are some good features of worry. Uh, actually, there aren't. There is no good feature of worry. You don't need to worry because the implication from the question is that you have more value than birds. Are you of not more value than they are? That's rhetorical because the, que- the answer is, is absolutely yes. You are of much more value than the birds. And if God takes care of them, won't he take care of his children that he loves, that Jesus came and died for? Won't God take care of us without a need for us to be worried about that all the time? So three considerations or three examples. One of them is the birds. There's another one that we see in verse 27, and that's simply telling us that worry is foolish. Worry is foolish. And who among us will be able to prolong his or her life even an hour by worrying about it? Think about that for a moment. Let that sink in. We're not going to live an hour longer if we worry about what's happening or what's going to happen tomorrow or the next day or after that. It's not going to help us at all in any way whatsoever. And so we understand that worry is foolish. Do you realize you can actually shorten your life by worrying, but you can't? lengthen it. You can shorten it a lot. Here's what somebody has said. The English term worry comes from an old German word meaning to strangle or to choke. That's exactly what worry does. It's a kind of mental and emotional strangulation which probably causes more mental and physical affliction than any other single cause. You can worry yourself to death, but not to life. It does us absolutely no good. The third consideration. We've got the birds to look at. We've got the foolishness of worry to look at. And now we consider the lilies of the field. They help answer the question, why are you anxious about clothing? That's what Jesus wants to know. Why are you anxious about clothing? Well, the lilies don't work to make clothes. The lilies at that particular time may not look like this lily, but uh, the point that Jesus is making is that not even Solomon in all of his glory. And remember, Solomon was the richest one around. He was absolutely the richest. He was also the wisest. He could have 
any clothing that he wanted to from the best tailors and seamstresses all over the world. He could have anything he wanted, but not even Solomon was dressed like one of these flowers in all of their exquisite beauty. And we see that beauty, and if you were to examine that under a microscope, it would be amazing to see the detail that is there. And the, the, the point is, if we're looking at the birds of the air, what do they do to provide, excuse me, not the birds, looking now at the, um, the lilies of the field? They don't work to make their clothing at all. They don't knit, they don't crochet, they don't spin, they don't darn, they don't sew, they don't base, they don't stitch, they don't hem anything. They're the only words I know about sewing, and I didn't check with Beth. But you can add all the rest of the words there. The lilies of the field don't do any of that at all. So what's the lesson in all this for us? If you look at verse 30, But if God so clothes the grass of the field which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? And then he adds this, O you of little faith. God loves each one of us, and he's going to take care of us. If he takes care of, it's referred to here as grass, grass that's going to be burned in the oven. If he takes care of that, takes care of the flowers, takes care of the birds, shows us how foolish where he is, is he not going to take care of you, the one that he loves more than anything that we can even begin to imagine? But you notice in verse 30 that worry is seen here as a faith issue. It's a faith issue, O you of little faith. Can't you grasp that? Don't you understand that God is not going to let you down? How much do you trust the one who tells you not to be anxious? How much are you going to trust him both now and as long as he has us here on the planet? We go a little further in this text. The command is going to be repeated. It's actually going to be repeated two more times in verses 31 through 34. Look at verse 31. Here's another therefore, and here's another do not be anxious. Therefore, do not be anxious about food, drink, and clothes. Why not? Why can't I worry about those things? They're important. Well, he says that's the kind of a thing those apart from God worry about. That's what the Gentiles worry about. They don't know God as loving Father, all-powerful God, who's promised us and will keep His Word. They don't know that. So again, we can say to them, if you want to worry, go ahead and worry. Uh, I would worry if I were in your shoes as well, but I don't have to do that. I don't have to be anxious because I know the God of this universe. And Jesus says, our Heavenly Father knows what we need. I don't even have to tell Him about that. He knows. He knows and He cares that's a great combination. Verse 33, one of the key verses in the Bible, starts out with but. Starts out with but. Uh, the Gentiles are seeking after such things. Our Heavenly Father knows that we need them all, but, it says, even though we need all of these things, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. All these things, what you will eat, what you will drink, what you will wear, all these things God will add on when our priorities are right. We're going to seek first the Lord and His kingdom. We studied that in the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's how we're supposed to live as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Seeking Him first. 
It's a matter of priority. God says, don't worry about those other things. If you want to worry about anything, and this isn't a worry, but this is putting all of our energy into seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness, he'll take care of the light work. He'll take care of all the other things that are involved. The Apostle Paul had this down right in Acts 20, verse 24. He said, but I do not account my life of any value, nor is precious to myself. If only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. He's seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. His life is not the top priority. It's filling the ministry that God gave him to do. In verse 34, we have our third therefore, and the third time we're told not to be anxious. We're also told in verse 34 that we're supposed to be living one day at a time, not letting tomorrow rob us of the joy of today, understanding what God has for us today, not worrying about next week, not worrying about that doctor's appointment, not worrying about that job interview, not worrying about that anything that's going to be coming up next week. Don't let that be robbed or don't let that be a robber of the joy that we have today. So we're looking at a command from God in triplicate so far in this brief text that if properly obeyed can free us from the awful, gripping, gnawing, paralyzing bondage of anxiety, worry, fear, whatever we want to call it. Our lives can be instantly changed if we make a commitment right now before God to take him at his word and cast our care on him because he cares for us. To recognize that he's the one that has to worry about the things that we've been worrying about, and he's certainly not going to worry about it because he can take care of all of that. But we can't stop here because we have the same command found elsewhere. And I'd like to invite you, if you will, to turn with me to Philippians chapter 4, please. Philippians chapter 4. This is the same command, but if I can say this even more clear than we have in Matthew 6, if you think that's possible. And it's, I, I believe it's even more clear here in Philippians chapter 4. And here's what we're told as believers. Do not be anxious. We've heard that before, haven't we? Do not be anxious. So this is the fourth time. But there's a two-word prepositional phrase that follows that we haven't heard before today yet. And this, I believe, is what makes it even clearer to us. Do not be anxious. And what does it say on the screen? Do not be anxious about, do you notice the emphasis on the word anything? Do not be anxious about anything. But in, what's the next word? Everything. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Some of you have heard me speak about that those verses before. But what we're told is not to be anxious about anything, but in everything we're told that we're to talk to God about what it is that we might be anxious or worried about. And you know as well as I do that the worry is always at the door. It is always right there trying to make intrusion into our lives. And we're told when that happens, when the worries are there, what do I do about it? Well, what I don't do about it is to be anxious. 
but in everything I'm going to talk to the Lord about it. And in advance, I'm going to thank Him because I trust it's all under control. That's why it says, with thanksgiving. We're supposed to let our requests be made known to God, and when we do that, something takes guard of our heart. The peace of God does. It's a military term. It literally guards our hearts against the enemy penetrating. The enemy's always going to be there. It's so easy to worry because the circumstances of life are always there trying to intrude. And the alternative, the remedy, Jesus told us, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and he'll take care of all of the worries. He'll take care of all of the other kind of things. We're told here that the peace of God in response to our prayers, talking to God, taking it to God, casting our care on him with thanksgiving, he's going to take care of us and guard our hearts. And the peace of God is going to be that guard. That's a great command. You know what? Do not be anxious about anything is also in present imperative. The same as what Jesus was saying, meaning stop being anxious about anything. God knows us. He knows that we don't have to manufacture that maybe someday this is going to happen. It's here right now. There are warriors among us. And I, I like to think of it in a group this size. You think I'm going to say there must be some warriors. I'm not going to say that. In a group this size, in a group the size of the third row over here, in a group the size of the guy behind the pulpit here, there is somebody who's worrying this morning. And by that I mean all of us. All of us need to be able to hear what God is saying today. Present imperative. Stop being anxious about anything. Little quiz. I want to see if you're with me. How many things does God want us to be anxious about? None. Yeah, you're with me. I'm glad. And to be sure we haven't misunderstood, it goes on to say, but in everything. But isn't that unrealistic? A lot of people would say that's unrealistic. I have a grandmother who's still with us. She's just in heaven. She has a different address than we on earth. Who used to worry to the point that she became known to be a worrier. And whenever we would talk to her about it, she would use this excuse. I have to worry, I'm only human. Not a good excuse. Not a good excuse. To be human is not to be a worrier because God told us there's a way out. So I would encourage each one of us to remember we have a choice. The fact that we're presented with a command means that it can be obeyed. And I I know that we're going to fall back maybe from time to time. Maybe we won't bat a thousand with this, but we understand that God wants us not to be anxious about anything. So let let me ask this question. What exactly does it mean, do not be anxious about anything? What does that really mean? And I've got some bad news for you. It means exactly what it says. Exactly what it says. Do not be anxious about anything. There's no hidden message there. There's nothing coded here. There's no mystery. There's nothing subliminal. It's crystal clear. And I'm not going to pull one of those on you and say, well, you know what? It can be interpreted five different ways, and here's how some people interpret it, and here's some others. So pick whichever one you want to. It can't be interpreted five different ways. Do not be anxious about anything. That's exactly what it means. Now, when we think in terms of what's here in front of us, 
anxiety, worry, fretting, whatever we call it, it's forbidden. It's okay to have concern, and please hear me on this. It's okay to have concern. It's okay to care and to care deeply. It's okay to make investments for the future, to plan your future. It's okay to have some things set aside. All of that is okay. What is not okay is when it gets out of hand. It's okay to care deeply, but to hang on to the worry, to brood over the care, to be consumed by the concern is not trusting in God, but trusting in ourselves. Worry has been defined as a small trickle of fear that meanders through the mind until it cuts a channel into which all other thoughts are drained. Did you catch that? One more time on that. A small trickle of fear that meanders through the mind until it cuts a channel into which all other thoughts are drained. It gets deeper and deeper and worse and worse if we don't do something about it right away. That's what worry does. Now, I told you before that where I'm headed in this message is not to put anybody under a guilt trip and make anxiety worse because now we're anxious because we're worrying. Um, that's not my intent, but I still have to cut it straight. I have to ask and answer the question, is worry a sin? It'd be nice if I told you it's not. It'd be nice if I told you don't worry about it. It'd be nice to, to, to be able to make sure that everybody's okay with that. But is worry a sin? And yes, it is, according to the Scriptures, in many ways. But for our time this morning, at least three ways I'd like to share. First of all, it is disobedience to God's Word. Have we not seen it? Do not be anxious. Do not be anxious. Do not be anxious. Do not be anxious about anything. We've seen it. So to be worried is to be violating a command and be disobedient to the Lord. According to John Haggai in his book, How to Win Over Worry, worry is also a denial of the truthfulness of God. That makes it sinful to be telling God that he's not being true to us. For example, Romans 8.28. And we, what's the next word? And we know. We don't hope for or wish for or imagine. We know that for those who love God... How many things work together for good? All things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. It doesn't say most things, some things. It says all things. So we know all things. What does worry say about that? Worry says that verse is a lie. That verse is a lie. We don't know that. And we don't know that all things, maybe sometimes things do, but look at your life right now. How are things working for you? Would you be able to say that? Where he says, that's a lie. Don't believe that. Philippians 4.13, I can do, once again, how many things can I do? All things through him who strengthens me. Worry says, that's a lie. We go to Philippians 4.19, and my God will supply. How many needs does he supply? Every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Let's see if you're with me right now. Worry says that's a lie. Hebrews 13.5, I will never leave you or forsake you. How many times will God leave us or forsake us? Never. Worry says... Worry says... <laughs> worry says that's a lie. 1 Peter 5, 7, how many anxieties does God want us to cast on him? Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Worry says, worry says that's a lie. 
Worry says a lot of nice things or lies. Worrying is also a sin, thirdly, because it causes physical damage to our bodies. God's Word tells us that our bodies are the temple of His Holy Spirit. For that reason alone, we want to take care of our bodies. I've read a lot about this over the years, and I've accumulated a list of things that people, physicians, those who know will tell us that worry, anxiety will create in us. When I mention something, that doesn't mean if you have it, it's been caused by worry, but it does mean that for, for some and for many, uh, there's an accumulation of some of these symptoms that come as a result of worry. Worry can cause heart trouble, high blood pressure, asthma, rheumatism, ulcers, colds, thyroid malfunction, arthritis, migraine headaches, blindness, and many stomach disorders. It can also cause palpitations, pains in the back of the neck, present company excluded, pain in the neck, indigestion, nausea, constipation, diarrhea, dizziness, unexplainable fatigue, insomnia, allergies, and temporary paralysis. Some of you are saying, I've got all of those. Some of you are saying, you read my doctor's report. What, what happened to the Privacy Act and all of those things? According to one writer, the Mayo Clinic stated that statistically 80% of their total caseload were ill either in reality or artificially due directly to mental stress. Not too long ago, there appeared an article in a leading medical journal entitled, Is Stress the Cause of All Disease? That's gone past the 80% I just mentioned. Is stress the cause of all disease? The author of the article says that at the beginning of the century, bacteria were considered to be the center of attention. Today, mental stress has replaced bacteria. Does worry help us at all? Think about that for a moment, because you could be sitting there saying, you know what, I hear what he's saying, and I understand a little bit about that, but worry really helps me. Does worry help you at all for anything whatsoever? I'll bet you can't think of anything it does to help. A man by the name of Ian McLaren says this, What does your anxiety do? It does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow, but it does empty today of its strength. It does not make you escape the evil. It makes you unfit to cope with it when it comes. God gives us the power to bear all the sorrows of His making, but He does not guarantee to give us strength to bear the burdens of our own making, such as worry induces. I'd like you to consider with me what one not-too-bright person said. Okay, did you hear what I said? This is a not-too-bright person. Don't tell me that worry doesn't do any good. I know better. The things I worry about don't happen. You have to at least smile or we'll think you're not too bright a person either. Here's what a brighter individual says. One is given strength to bear what happens to one, but not the 101 different things that might happen. In an article in The Atlantic magazine, this is written by their editor, Scott Stossel, who also happens to be a Harvard University graduate, and he's the nephew of TV journalist John Stossel. In that article, in a magazine that he edits, with all the education that he has had, with all the people that he knows, shares openly about his lifelong attempts to deal with the anguish of anxiety. He says, from an early age, I've been what 
they call a twitchy bundle of phobias, fears, and neuroses. Here's what he writes. Even when not actively afflicted by acute episodes of anxiety, I am buffeted by worry. He then adds, here's what I've tried to deal with my anxiety. I'm going to tell you what he tried. And I'm not going to suggest that they're all bad, and I'm not going to suggest that everybody, if you're on a medicine or something, you've got to go off it. I'm not suggesting that everything that he tried is necessarily wrong, but I am going to suggest that at the end of what he tried, there's something that is much more helpful than, than what he did. So here's what he says. He tried individual psychotherapy, three decades of it, family therapy, group therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy, rational emotive behavior therapy, acceptance and commitment therapy, hypnosis, meditation, role-playing, interoceptive exposure therapy, in vivo exposure therapy, self-help workbooks, massage therapy, prayer, and I'm not sure to whom, acupuncture, yoga, stoic philosophy, and audio tapes I ordered off a late-night TV infomercial. That's desperate and medication, lots of medication. I'm going to put his medications on the screen because I don't want to try to pronounce all of them. Um, if you can't see the screen, there are seven lines of medicines, most of which have eight or more letters, um, and uh, that's what he tried in addition to all the other things that I've said, in addition to beer, wine, gin, bourbon, vodka, and scotch. And his conclusion is, here's what worked. I'm going to pause for a minute for suspense. Here's what worked. Which one of those do you think worked? Here's what worked. Nothing. Nothing worked. I dare to make one more suggestion. And I would make it to him. And I make it to all of us, including myself. How about trusting the God of the universe when he tells us to cast our anxieties on him? Because he cares for us. How about obeying the loving Heavenly Father who tells us to trust Him enough to not be anxious about anything? How about seeking first His kingdom and His righteousness and letting Him worry about everything else? He can worry about anything and everything, and we don't have to. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, there are a lot of solutions to worry that would line up a lot of solutions to our anxieties that would love to present themselves, but thank you for you, the only one who really counts, telling us that we're not supposed to be doing the worrying that we're already doing. And I would pray that you would help us with the help of your Holy Spirit to make that resolution, that commitment that we're going to live a new life. We're not going to be under bondage any longer. We're going to be free. We're going to be free because we've got the truth that sets us free in your word. We thank you for that. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Take your hymnal and turn to number 57. Sort of a setting of the verse from Peter. And if you'll stand, let's sing this through twice.
Our Heavenly Father, thank you for your care for us. I pray especially, I pray for all of us, but especially for those who right now have a giant worry and they immediately are drawn to that. They know exactly what's being referred to, that giant worry. It's been around for a while. doesn't seem like it will go away or can go away. Pray that there would be those who can release that to you even this morning, who can release that and let it go and cast that on you. Thank you that you care. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.